G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I left home very early. I left home when I was still a teenager, before my 16th birthday. And I went out into the world on my own and said, I will do it my way. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax and welcome to The Story. Today, our guest has gone on a quest to find out the secret to a happy, fulfilling marriage. Her name is Fawn Weaver. And she's the author of the book, Happy Wives Club, one woman's worldwide search for the secrets of a great marriage. She joins Karen Hunt via the telephone from Los Angeles, California, to share her story and what she discovered while doing her research. Tell me about your early years, your early upbringing and your family context at that time. Did you grow up in L.A.? I grew up in L.A. I grew up with parents who were in ministry, mm-hmm. and my mother wrote books specifically to single women and married women. And she traveled quite a bit, and she spoke all over the world, including Australia and New Zealand. And my father was very similar. When he passed away, just about five years before mm-hmm. he passed away, he had taken over as a pastor of a church here in Los Angeles. And Angela, it's funny because when my parents came to Australia, New Zealand, the first time, it was because he was, for some reason, I still don't know, they're in the UK, Australia, New Zealand. My father's a very popular musician. Are you willing to reveal the name of your father? Oh, sure, sure, sure. It's Frank Wilson. Okay. And so there is an album that apparently was the... I don't know, in the UK, it sold for something like 25,000 pounds, mm-hmm. this one pressed disc, because when he was a producer for Motown, he was one of the original hit makers with Smokey Robinson and Barry Gordy and those guys, and Barry Gordy said to my father, do you want to be a singer or do you want to be a producer? Mm-hmm. And my dad said he wanted to be a producer. So Barry told him he could not be both. Mm-hmm. So the one song he had recorded, they got rid of all of the copies. They destroyed all of the copies. But somehow, a copy wound up with a DJ in the UK. Ooh, <laughs> yes. And surfaced decades later. Mm-hmm. And so it went on the auction block. And if I remember correctly, it sold for like 25000 making it the most valuable rare disc in the world at the time. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I know. I had no idea he even had the song until this happened. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm imagining that you two have uh, the lovely voice that perhaps has come down from your dad? Oh, no. (laughs) Not at all, surely. So so there there are five sisters and one brother, and of the five sisters, I am the one who cannot (laughs) sing. (laughs) Where do you fit in the family? What what part of the order? I am the middle. 
You're the middle girl. I am the middle child. So the eldest will turn 50 this year, mm-hmm. and the youngest was a surprise, surprise, yeah. surprise. She is turning 22 uh-huh. at the end of this year. <laughs> there you go. So yes, tell me then, growing up, and, and as any young girl, or, you know, generally most young girls had this idealistic view of, I'm going to meet my prince, I'm going to get married, I'm going to live happily ever after. For you as a young woman, what's your story with your hopes and your dreams at that time in your life? You know, when I was a teenager, it wasn't great. And I I actually talk about this in the book. I grew up in a strict household, Mm -hmm. incredibly strict, religious. You have parents that went from being in high society to turning away from the money and the fame and everything else to become Christians. And because of that, they were elevated in the Christian world very quickly. So trying to learn that, learn Christianity, and teach it to your kids Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time (laughs) can provide some challenges between parents and children. Sure, especially when there's that many of them. Oh, gosh. And so for me, I was that preacher's kid that challenged everything. I challenged every bit of the Bible. I challenged everything that they believed because I wasn't okay with you telling me to believe this because I'm telling you this is true. I needed you to prove to me it was true. And that just wasn't their style. So... We had a lot of uh, a lot of battles <laughs> in our household, and I left home very early. I left home when I was still a teenager, before my 16th birthday, mm. and I went out into the world on my own and said, I will do it my way. And so the lessons that I learned, I picked up the hard way. So you're saying you left home at the age of 15 in mm-hmm. L.A., California, USA. I did. I did. What a brave move. And where did you go? I just went to a friend's house that I went to school with. Yeah. And in Los Angeles. So we grew up in Pasadena. So I moved into what, I don't know what it's called there in in New Zealand, but here we call it the projects, Mm -hmm. which is all government assisted. And so everyone there was government assisted. And it was interesting because I, from the time I was young, I was such a driven young lady, which is a part of what drove my parents mad, Mm. reasonably mad. And when I went out into the world and when I went into this community, I realized, gosh, there are all these people around here that have no drive. (laughs) What's wrong with them? I I know. So I went from this very strict upbringing to this very loose, do whatever you want Mm. at any time. And my my sister teases me to this day. She says, you're the only teenager to leave home and never try any drugs Mm. and not drink alcohol. Mm. You are the oddest kid. But for me, I just needed to find my own path. Sure. And I wasn't getting the explanations that I needed being at home. So my path to where I am was a very rocky road. Mm. Meeting my husband... It's interesting because around my 20th birthday, I had gone through so much. I had tried to commit suicide twice. I had gone through so much in my life, and I finally just kind of pulled back and said, okay, God, clearly I tried to end this twice. Mm. You have said no twice. There is a reason. And I purposed at that time to get to know God and to get to know myself. 
So for six months, I sort of just locked myself inside. I would go to work, and then I would come home and devour every book I could possibly get my hands on that I thought would help me to better understand my role in this world and why I was still here. Mm, you're on one and, quest and a half, weren't you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's a whole other book. <laughs> and, and the contrast I'm imagining from such a legalistic background to then such a new liberal context, the challenges that that would have brought. Well, it, it did and it didn't. And the reason is, is even though I was in the strict household, I never really fell in line. And so that was a part of the problem. So I still sort of lived my life the way that I thought fit. And it's, it's interesting because as the years went on and my parents became to know the freedom in that relationship with God, the way that they parented completely changed. So for my little sisters, it was entirely different. Mm, Fantastic. And so the way that I live my life now is the life that they learned to live Mm. later, long after I moved out of the house. Mm, And I bet they love their big sister, hey? Oh, gosh, yes. (laughs) Yes. So, Fawn, you actually undertook a worldwide search. You wanted to learn the secrets of a great marriage. You went on a journey to like 12 different countries, six different Mm -hmm. continents. Tell us, how did this come about? (laughs) Well, the Happy Wives Club, when I started it, it was just meant to be a club where women who loved their husbands, who did not see themselves represented on television, could come to this club and say, hey, I am not like them. I'm happily married. My husband is awesome, and I adore the institution of marriage. And that's it. I mean, they would literally just come, just sign their name, what year they got married, what state, what country they were in, and that was it. You joined the club. And as the club began to grow in the thousands and into the tens of thousands and into a hundred thousand there was this consistency that emerged whenever i would ask the question of those happily married 25 years or more what is your secret to a happy marriage Mm -hmm. and no matter where in the world this wife was it was almost as if they were all raised on the same block there's a universal response that you're hearing There, there was a universal response Everything about these women sounded so similar, so consistent, and I thought, how is it possible that all of these women on all these different continents with different races, backgrounds, religions, social and economic statuses, how could they all point to the same thing when it comes to marriage? How is this even possible? And so I, I pitched it to a publisher who said, of course, yes, get on the road and figure out if there is a universal secret to a happy marriage. Mm -hmm. Go out there and see if you can confirm your suspicions. And that's exactly what I did. And the way that I found couples around the world is I was a general manager of a hotel when I first started this blog. Uh I think you guys have Hilton properties there. So I was a general manager of a Hilton family property here. And so in hotels, you tend to know people all over the world because they come and take a job in L.A., and then they return back to their home. So, for instance, the interviews I did in Perth, Australia, I reached out to the gal who I took over for at the hotel when she was returning back home and said, this is what I am out to prove. I want to know, is there a universal secret to a happy marriage? So point me 
to the couples that you know that you have watched for at least 25 years mm. who are genuine, who you can confirm these are the real deal. And everyone in the community would say, if we could emulate one marriage, it would be this marriage. Every country where I reached out to someone and said, point me to those couples, I then got on a plane and went and interviewed them. Mm, wow. You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Fawn Weaver, the founder of the Happy Wives Club, a community of thousands of women all over the world who believe there is far too much attention being paid to marriages that are failing and not nearly enough on the happy and successful ones. Next, we'll hear the top three marriage tips that she heard from happily married couples from all over the world when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with Fawn Weaver, author of the book Happy Wives Club, One Woman's Worldwide Search for the Secrets of a Great Marriage. She's also the founder of the Worldwide Happy Wives Club and is sharing what it's all about. So we're not talking about just a little club in the local community hall in the back of the park. We're talking (laughs) major online collaborations, face-to-face, personal meetings all across the globe, yeah? Yes, all over the globe. So Happy Wives Club, when it began, it was an online community. That's how it's exploded around the world. We started with five women, my mother, one of my sisters, three of my closest girlfriends, who all had marriages similar to mine, who every time they looked at their husband, they fell in love all over again. Mm. And so I sent an email to them right after I started the online club, and it was probably 2 o'clock in the morning, and I said, send this to every happily married woman you know that isn't reflected in what Hollywood shows us in the movies and on television. And that went to five women that all lived within 20 miles of me. And within four weeks, we were in 22 countries. Woohoo! I love it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so hey? Yes. Yeah, so what started off as an online community has grown to include women getting together in groups and clusters all over the country. I leave here tomorrow, actually, for Minneapolis, and I am going and meeting up with Happy Wives Club members there. So for travel lovers, in your book, I mean, it's in my hot little hand here. It's beautiful. It's It's got a nice blue cover. You've got continents and hearts. And for me, I too am a travel lover. Now, each chapter in this book references a different international city and the adventures that you've actually found there. Gosh, it's just exploded. What What do you love about this? You know what? What I love is there was a quote by, I don't know if you have Brides Magazine there, mm-hmm. but there's a quote by the editor of Brides Magazine here, and she referred to it as, eat, pray, love, but not down on marriage. Hmm. What I loved about writing this book is I am not a marriage expert. I am an intentional learner. 
And so I go and I sit before people that have been married so much longer than me, and I learn what not only makes marriage work, but what makes marriage great. Hmm. And then I take that and I apply it in my own marriage. And so being able to travel this road and to go to all of these different countries, the book is as much about the adventure as it is about what I learned. So you go where I go, you eat what I eat, you visit the couples that I visit, and you learn all about their love, their marriage, and their family. In some, in some countries, you meet their kids. But it's more of a story than it is a how-to. It is not a how-to book at all. I'm privileged to be chatting by phone with Fawn Weaver. She's in Los Angeles, in California. She's the founder of the Happy Wives Club. Yep, with tens of thousands of members in more than 100 countries, Fawn determined there was far too much attention being paid to the marriages failing and not nearly enough on those she'd come to know through her club, the happy and successful ones. Tell me, Fawn, the simple numeric code, 712. It's pretty magical in (laughs) itself, isn't it? What is that all about? Oh, you know, the 712, it's funny. Initially, I thought the book could be called 712, Uh but then I couldn't get to Antarctica. (laughs) 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 It was such a pain to try to get to Antarctica. We said, oh, we better change that. But it came from Matthew 712, and it is the scripture where Jesus is telling us what is the most important thing. And so when, when looking at that, I thought, gosh, to love God and to love others as we love ourselves, is that really what all this falls under? So meaning, if we love our spouse the way we want our spouse to love us, does everything fall right under that? And quite frankly, it did. Everything that I came across. Now, I have to tell you, there were 12 secrets to a happy marriage. So there were 12 things that came up in every single marriage across the world. And I, I did not recognize them initially. And then when I sat down to write the interviews, I wrote things out on a yellow notepad. And I would box words from interview to interview that were the same. Ah. And it floored me to realize how many principles were the same from marriage to marriage. I thought I would find one. I I literally told the publisher, I am going to find the universal secret to a happy (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking beyond, we're talking beyond the one golden rule. Twelve things have come out from... There are twelve things that came from these interviews. Mm -hmm. And really, everything that we do in life that is good, that is right, falls under that golden rule. And so everything falls under that. But specifically for marriage, there were twelve things that all of these couples did. And so when you say, for instance, believe in God, I will hear a lot of people say... You know, the secret is just to put God first. And I will always challenge them in that and say, what does that look like in tangible terms? Mm. Does that mean you love your spouse more? Does that mean you treat them better? Does that mean you forgive them immediately? Does that mean you do not argue and complain, as Paul said? 
do all of these things are these things that you do. And I think for a lot of us, especially in our faith, we kind of cop out with that by saying put God first, but we don't really do the work. And so what all of these couples did consistently that allowed them to have these wonderful, blessed marriages where you meet their children who are now in their own wonderful marriages, and you see these generations, and you realize you have to do the work. You have to put in the effort. And and there were 12 things that all of these couples did. What would be, Fawn, the top three that you could share with us today. What do we hear? We girls here in Australia need to hear from you with regard to having a happy, successful marriage right to the end. Well, I'll tell you this. When I was in the Philippines, I sat with a group of Happy Wives Club members there. There were about 10 women. We were all having tea. And I asked the woman who had been married the longest, which was 34 years, Orlanda, to tell all of the other women what was her secret to a happy marriage? And before I could even get the question out, she said, mutual respect. Mm. And I turned to all of the women there and I said, this is my seventh country. Every country before you has given that answer first. Mm, really? And I think that we hear a lot that men need respect. But what these couples did throughout their marriage, and when I was with them face-to-face, I saw it firsthand. They respected each other more than anyone else in the world. Mm. There was no one who they put that they esteemed higher than their spouse. Mm -hmm. And so your conversation, the way that you communicate, is completely different. Even if you're speaking two different love languages, my husband and I did not know our love languages until our ninth year of marriage. (laughs) It did not keep us from having a fantastic marriage Mm -hmm. for those first nine years. And that is because there is no one in this world I respect more than my husband, and there's no one he respects more than me. So even though we were speaking two different love languages, we spoke it with so much respect, it didn't matter. So that respect was the, the first thing that came out in almost every single conversation around the world. And I tell you something else that was so critical is these husbands and wives, they surrounded themselves with like-minded couples. I had a, a couple, a husband in South Africa, and he said, do not surround yourself with toxic couples. If you are sitting in a group around people that are just complaining and tearing each other down, pray for them, yeah. love them from a distance. Get out of the do way. Do not <laughs> let them into your inner circle. Mm, do mm. not, because that begins to seep into your own marriage, and people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. When we begin to focus on what is wonderful about our spouses, their good always outweighs their bad. I know that because out of 7 billion people in the world, we chose our spouse. There was someone else out there we could have chosen. So there was something great about that person. Their good outweighed their bad. And what happens a lot of times when couples get married is they allow their eyes to be set on everything that's not perfect. And that then begins to be their sole focus. When they rewind that and they get back to those days of when it began, they'll see really the only difference was their focus. 
it wasn't because their husband started leaving socks all over the floor and he didn't do that in the first year. <laughs> it is because that became the focus instead of all of the wonderful things he does mm-hmm. and who he is. And so a part of what this book has done for so many women is it has caused women around the world to change their focus. So for number one, mutual respect. So out of the top three, yes. number two is? I would say number two is who you surround yourself with. Uh-huh. Surround yourself with like-minded couples. Surround yourself with other wives who build up their spouse, not tear them down. So what would number three be? Number three, I would say, would be laughter. Uh-huh. Not taking yourself so seriously mm. when you think about it you and i could be you and i could go out and be girlfriends and just chatting it up and having a ball and laughing and joking and you can point out my flaws and we can laugh about it and it's no big deal but then when our spouse points out our flaws all of a sudden <laughs> it's a big deal and what i loved with all of these couples and it was huge when they say laughter is the best medicine i'm telling you when I sat with all these couples, they laughed, they joked. I knew all of their flaws before I left because they all laughed about them. They all teased one another. They, it wasn't a big deal. It was like, yeah, you know, everything I do isn't perfect, and that was okay. So I think in marriage, just throwing that laughter in that, it's also a way to help ease into conversations rather than crashing into arguments. When you're able to be lighthearted, when you're pointing things out, it makes things a lot easier. And for all of these couples, they were jovial, they laughed, they joked, they played with each other, they poked fun at one another, and it just made it work. So if I were to take my top three, just thinking, not looking at the book, not looking at the 12 secrets, just in my mind right now, visualizing these couples that I interviewed around the world, those are the three that stand out the most to me. That was Karen Hunt chatting with Fawn Weaver in Los Angeles. She's the founder of the online Happy Wives Club community with thousands of members all over the world. Now, we just heard her top three tips to a successful marriage that she discovered in her research. You can find out more in her book, Happy Wives Club, One Woman's Worldwide Search for the Secrets of a Great Marriage. The website is... You guessed, happywivesclub.com. That's happywivesclub.com. And speaking of marriage tips in particular, I really like the third one she said about laughter and not taking ourselves too seriously. Of course, the Bible says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I felt like I'd lost everything and my whole worldview and this idea of myself and everything was at an all-time low and everything sort of culminated and I had good opportunities in life. I just squandered them all. I decided that I'd take my own life. I just couldn't see a way out. Michael Scary is a gifted artist with a talent for drawing. However, after the suicide of his brother, he sunk into a dark place and believed there was no hope for his life. Fortunately, God's love shone through and turned the whole situation around. We'll hear his story next time. 
the story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.